It is Resurrection Sunday. <laughs> Glory, Jesus. Do you realize what that means for us? Come on, I see you. Do you realize what that means for us? That he is alive. That we're alive. Amen. That's what this is all about. So happy Easter, everyone. So how many of you have a ham in the crock pot? None of you. Nobody's like, who does ham? Like, I do too. I, do. I started one this morning before I left. I got you. So, so how many of you have, 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 are going to have turkey? Nobody. How many of you are just going to say the heck with it and just go order pizza? That's what I'm talking about. And all the Taco Bell people said? Amen. That's what I'm talking about. Can I tell you that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on Sunday? A week ago today, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. It was the beginning of what we know as Holy Week. It was the beginning of what we are celebrating today. Amen? That our entire faith, our entire relationship with Jesus Christ is based on last Sunday to this Sunday. Because if, come on, ah, there you go. Come on, y'all can do better. Thank you for that arousing applause. I want to tell y'all this because the last seven days, if that wouldn't have happened, we wouldn't be here today. Amen? I'm telling you because our God is the only one that's alive. Our God is the only one that's alive. Amen? Can we give Jesus some praise right now for that? Thank you, Lord, that you are resurrected, that you are alive, and we thank you for what you endured for us. Amen. He was beaten. He was flogged. He was spit on. He was humiliated for you and me. Amen. And they hung him on a cross to die for sins he did not commit. He did it for us. But he's alive. But he's alive. The tomb is empty. Amen. And that's what today is all about. Come on, y'all. That's what today is all about. We're grateful for Holy Week. We thank you, Jesus, that you bled out on Good Friday. But I want to tell you what today is. Today is all about Resurrection Sunday. Come on. Amen. He's alive. He's alive. That's what today is all about. Our resurrected King, Jesus, rose out of the grave. And he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, the Bible says, and he is interceding for us. What a blessing that is. That you got somebody in the heavenlies that are interceding for you, that are fighting for you right now. Amen. When Jesus Christ was crucified in 33 AD, there were only about 120 followers that followed him. The Bible says they met in an upper room. There was about 120 people. He had 120 followers. I want to tell you this. They were true to his message at the time. They were following him. They were meeting there. Can I tell you today, 2,000 years later, 2.3 billion people in this world. I want to put that in pers in, into perspective for you. That's one out of every three people on this earth. Two point, amen, 2.3 billion people claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ. 2.3 billion people in this world would say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. 
One out of three people. How in the world did that happen? How did his message spread so far, so fast? How did a band of 12 poor fishermen, amen? 12 poor fishermen, Jesus' first follower. How did that expand to 2.3 billion followers? Because of the resurrection. Amen. It's because of the resurrection. I'm telling you. It's because of the resurrection. It changed everything. When God said, I'm going to come to earth and I'm going to die for the sins of the people of all mankind and then I'm going to do something to prove that I'm God. I'm going to go into the belly of the earth for three days and then I'm going to come back out alive. Amen. He said, I'm going to show you that I'm coming to take the sins of the world. He said, then I'm going to prove it to you because three days later, I'm coming up out of the grave. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's the single most significant event in history. Guys, listen, nothing comes close. Nothing comes close. The birth of Jesus is the beginning of time. Do you understand that with, when he came, that, that it even separated time? Your birthday is even based on when you were born, the date of Jesus. Being born, there's, there's nothing that comes close to it. You have B.C. and then you have A.D., right? That's how important and significant what he did for us. And I want to talk to you this morning. I want to talk to you about that powerful resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? And I want to talk to you about it and what it means to us today. April the 9th, 2023. Hallelujah. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, God, that you are alive and well. And Father, we pray right now, Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, that there are going to be people that are going to walk out of here that are going to be resurrected from the dead today, God. Father, that they came in here, Lord, and they are going to walk out a different person. Father, we thank you that that same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead will quicken our bodies. So, Lord, we just love you, and we thank you, God, that you're alive, that the grave is empty. And we can never express our gratitude for what you've done for us. So, Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I tell you that Calvary is God's divine reach? Calvary is God saying that I still want you. Calvary is God's way of saying to Satan that hell cannot have you. Amen. That's what he did when he stretched out on that cross. That was God saying to Satan that hell cannot have you. Amen. And because of the cross and what Jesus did on the cross, can I tell you now that death is just an incident? It's not the final state. Amen. Amen. I appreciate all 17 of you for that arousing applause. Thank you very much. I want to tell you right now, that because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, death is not the final state anymore. It's just an incident. Before the cross and the resurrection, death was the final state. Amen? Before Jesus came, when you died, they, when people died, they would go to a compartment of hell called Hades. Everybody with me? Okay. It was not burning fire. It was just a holding cell that you could not get out of, okay? 
But the Bible teaches that when Jesus Christ died and then he went to the grave and he went to hell, that no longer is death the final statement. Revelation 1.18 says this. Look at this right here. Revelation 1.18 says this. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. Come on, somebody. He said, and I have the keys of Hades and death. I'm done with it. He has went to Hades. Can you, I don't know about y'all, but if somebody came to my house and tried to take keys to my house, he went down there and took over. Now, hell has no hold on us, and death has no hold on us. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Death is not a final state anymore. It's just an incident. It is but for a moment. Amen? Follow me. There's no fear of the hold of death on our life anymore. And I want to even say this to you. If you don't believe in the resurrection, then you won't believe in the rapture. Amen? If you don't believe in the resurrection, because the same Bible that teaches that Jesus Christ, that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, is also the same Bible that teaches that the church is going to be raptured. Amen? It's the same Bible. It's the same Bible. The Bible says in Romans 8, 11, look at this. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, hallelujah, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit which dwells in you. That same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you today. Amen. That same resurrection power that lives in Jesus, that, that raised Jesus, lives in you. Amen. The Bible says it will quicken our mortal bodies. I want you to look at 1 Thessalonians 4.14 real quick. It says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, do you believe that? Okay, the ones who didn't say yes, I'm working. I'm working. I, got, I got 45 minutes to change your mind. If we believe that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead and he rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Do you believe it? You got to believe in the resurrection before you can believe in the rapture. Look at this, guys. And one day when the trumpet sounds, if you have anyone in that grave today, come on, guys, it's not over. It is just an incident. It is not the final state. I want you to look at verse 16 right here, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. It says, when the trumpet sounds, if they're in Christ, then the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain, those of us who are still living, y'all follow me? shall be caught up together with them in the clouds with our lost loved ones, guys, to meet the Lord in the air. Death is not the final state anymore. It is just an incident in your life. The Bible says that you will be raised up and you will be with your loved ones in the air. Amen. Death is just an incident. It's not a final state. That's great news. It's going to happen. The Bible says it's going to happen. If you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, come on, y'all, I want you to listen to me. I want you to listen to me. Death is separation of the spirit from your body. Y'all follow me? When you die, your spirit is separation from your body. And the Bible teaches us in Revelation 20, 14 that there are two deaths. There's a second death. Look at the scripture. Then death in Hades, we just talked about that. It was just a holding cell where you went before God before Christ came. Death and Hades were what? Come on, come on, now like four of you. Where's the rest of you? Death and Hades were what? 
What's it say? This is the second death. This is the second death. This is very important. There's a second death for people who are lost, who go into eternity. What does that mean? What does that mean? I want you to follow me here. You die the first time, and this is when your spirit leaves your body. But there's a second death, and it's when you are separated not just from your body, but your spirit is separated from God. And then you will be cast, Hades and death, into what? Come on, come on now. Y'all got short memories. We just talked about this. That's the second death when your spirit is separated from God. I don't know about you, but that don't sound pleasant to me. Amen. Come on. Hallelujah. It's when he says to people, when you get to heaven, when you get there in that judgment, and he says, depart from me, I never knew you. Woo. That hurts. He says, depart from me. That's the second death. When your spirit is separated from God. And in that moment, the Bible says that that is the second death, that you will be cast. And I pray my heart for you this morning is that not one single person has experienced that. Amen. Not one single person that walks out of this room will ever experience that second death. Now, here's the key. I want to tell you this. If you've been born one time, you have to die twice. But if you get born a second time, what does that mean? Two births, meaning your natural birth, come on, somebody, and then you've been born again, you only die once. That's what Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3, 3. He said, if you be born again, unless you be born again, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. So if you're born one time, you die two deaths, in the natural and in the spiritual. Are y'all following me this morning? I'm going somewhere. I'm going to drive this home right where you live, okay? I just want you to follow me for a minute. If you die, if you're born one time, you die twice. But if you're born again, you only die one time. Your soul leaves your body. Come on, somebody. Your soul leaves your body, and it goes to spend eternity with the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're born once, you die twice. If you're born twice, you'd only die once. Because of what Jesus did on the cross and in the grave, we get to live. Hallelujah. Can we give him a shout of praise in here this morning for that? I'm thankful for what Jesus did, aren't you? I am thankful for what Jesus did, aren't you? Hallelujah. Jesus got up. Jesus got out. And Jesus wants to come in your life. Amen. He wants to come into your life. And if he got up, and if he got out, and if he comes in, can I tell you, you can't stay down? Amen. When he got up out of that grave and he comes into your life, you will not stay down because you are a resurrected man. Now, everybody has down days. Even Jesus, he was down for three days, but you're not supposed to stay down. You're not supposed to stay down. And when Jesus comes in, can I tell you something? You won't stay down. Amen. You're not supposed to stay down. You'll get up. You'll get out because that's where he's taking you. I believe we need to understand that when he got up, he exhausted sin's power. 
to control our life. He defeated death's terror to hold us. And we don't have to be afraid of anything anymore. Amen? We don't have to be afraid of anything anymore. Not of dying, not of anything in this world, because the Bible says that nothing, neither life nor death, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Amen? So important for you to get a hold of that, that nothing can separate you from the love of God. The greater one got up. Everybody say got up. He got out. And when the Holy Spirit speaks to you and you say, yes, Lord, he comes in. And I promise you, the greater one comes into your life so you don't stay down. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen. Whew. And then the one who said, I'll never leave you. The one who said, I'll never forsake you. He'll walk you through even all the way to eternity. Amen. When he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, that's what he meant. That's the message of the cross and the resurrection. Amen. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He said, I am walking through with you through everything you're going through. He said, and I'm going to walk you all the way into eternity. I'm taking you straight to heaven. Hallelujah. That's good news. We got about 20 people we're going to be baptizing this morning. Come on, somebody. We're going to be baptizing them into that new life. And maybe you're in here today and you had no idea you were even planning on getting baptized. But the Lord's going to speak to you through this service. And by the time this is over, you're going to say, I want to get in there too. Huh? I want to get in there too. Jesus is alive and I'm going to come out of that right there, a new person. Amen? I want to tell you what Jesus did. He did three things for us when he died and rose again. Number one, he removed your transgressions. Amen. Number two, he said that he will remember your sins no more. Hallelujah. He removes your transgressions. He remembers your sins no more. And number three, he releases you from your iniquities. When I say he removes your transgressions from your account, what does that mean? What does that mean? I want to tell you this. There's two words for sin in the Old Testament. It's called transgressions and iniquities. Amen? Follow along. There's two words, transgressions and iniquities. There's a big difference between the two. There's a very big difference between the two, and you need to understand this. An iniquity is an inward motivation that drives you, that pushes you. It's an iniquity that you have. It's an inward motivation. Amen? It's something that happens on the inside of you that motivates you to sin. It's something that, that, that pushes you, right? And a transgression is the outward action. That's the actual sin. The word transgression comes from the word we use, trespass, which means that you have overstepped a known boundary. Amen? Where are my trespassers at? I know some of y'all hunters out there would be going on land you ain't supposed to. You know what I'm talking about. That word trespass comes from transgressions. It means that you have stepped over a known boundary. You know you shouldn't be crossing it. It's when it goes from something you think about or something that you're being tempted to do to something that you actually do. Right? So another way of saying it is 
Iniquity or sin, it starts on the inside. It's in your heart, but a transgression is in your hand. Amen? Iniquity is something that's in your heart. It starts on the inside, and a transgression is something that's in your hand. It goes from your heart to your hand. Y'all follow me? Okay? It's important. It's what you do. And iniquity is an attitude. The transgression is the action. Right? And iniquity is on the inside of transgression on the outside. And that's what the Pharisees, they would brag about how they didn't do this and they, and they didn't do that and they were all of this and this and this and they were saying, well, we didn't commit the transgression. We didn't do it. But Jesus wouldn't let them off the hook. Hallelujah. Jesus wouldn't let them off the hook because he knew inside they were rotten. He knew inside that they were dirty. He knew inside that they were, they were just scoundrels and they were, they were horrible, mean, nasty people. He knew it. They were bitter and hateful. And he said, but you window shop adultery. Come on, somebody. He said, you window shop adultery. Watch him. Watch him. Because they said, well, we've never committed adultery. Stone this woman. We've never committed the transgression, but Jesus says, I, I see you haven't done the actual transgression. But look what he says in Matthew 5.28. He said, but I say to you, he said, I want to look on the inside of you. He said, I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust after her, look at this right here, has already committed adultery with her. Right? That's the iniquity. The Pharisees are like, well, we don't do this. We don't do this. Let's stone this woman. Jesus says, mm -mm. you've already committed adultery. Amen? Y'all follow me? Come on. It's the iniquity. And then he said this. He said, he said but, but you're nasty. You're mean. You're rotten people. And you hate your brother in your heart. Look what he said in 522. That whoever is angry with his brother will already be a murderer. You will receive that judgment. You're a murderer. You've already committed murder. You hate your brother. I know you haven't done the actual transgression of murder. He says, but you hate your brother. You hate him. You're bitter. You can't say, he said, so you're a murderer. Jesus wasn't no punk. Y'all better hear me. Oh, we're not under the law. We're under the grace. We don't have to. No, Jesus said, even if you think about it, brother, you already a murderer. Come on, somebody. I'm, I'm telling you, so good. They thought they would get off that way. They thought they would get off that way. Well, we're the religious leaders and the scholars, and, but you window shop adultery. Come on, Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Everybody say Jesus one more time. Jesus. He was so powerful and so exact in his death, I want you to watch this. He was so powerful and so exact. Look at Isaiah 53, 5. Look what he says right here. I want you to see this. He was wounded. Watch the wording. Watch the wording. He was wounded for our transgressions. What is a transgression? One of you was listening. What is a transgression? What is a wound? A wound is an outside he was wounded for our transgressions. A wound is an outward bleeding. If you're wounded, you are bleeding on the outside. Amen? Y'all follow me? It's an outward act of sin is what a transgression is, and a wound is an outward 
Guys, listen, it's, 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 it's outside. It's a, it's a scene on the outside of you. Okay? He was wounded. He took blood on his body for our outward transgressions. Look at this. But he was bruised. What's a bruise? Come on, y'all. It's internal bleeding. If you ever got a bruise on your arm, that means that you were bleeding from the inside. Amen? He was wounded on the outside for our outside transgressions. He was bruised. He was bruised for our iniquities. What's an iniquity? Y'all still ain't listening. What's an iniquity? It's on the inside. It's the inside. It's the inner attitude. It's the, it's the things that we think of. But here's the beauty of what he did on the cross. He completely cleansed you. Amen. He cleansed you on the outside. He completely cleansed you on the inside. That's the beauty of it. Not only of things that you've actually done, not only of the, the transgressions that you've actually done, but of things that you would think about. Come on, y'all. I don't know about y'all, but this right here is a dangerous place for me to get. I'm just telling you. He, 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 he forgives you for the things that you've, that you've actually done, the outward, but even the things that you think about, the things that you're going to not just do, but he cleansed you inside and out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Y'all got to give him a better shout of praise than that for me this morning. For what he did, he cleansed you on the out and inside. Not only that, but the Bible says he removes our transgressions. He removes your transgressions. Look at this. I don't, listen, I don't know if you understand what I just said. I don't think you understand what I'm just saying. I'm not talking about one day. I'm talking about right now. Amen. I'm talking about he removes your transgressions that you have done, and he's doing it right now. When you say, Jesus, come on, y'all. Thank you, Jesus. He is removing them right now. When God looks at you, he sees all of your transgressions. You were, he was wounded and he was bruised. Listen, he sees them inside and out. Amen. He sees all of your transgressions. He sees it. He sees it through the blood of his son. Come on, y'all. He sees it through the blood of his son, and he says, I have removed your transgressions. Can we give him a praise right now? Can we just give him a clap of praise right now? Because I, I want you to catch what I'm fixing to tell you. Secondly, I want you to see this. It's remarkable. Because of what he did, he said in Isaiah 43, 25. I want you to look at this. Look at this. He says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions. I remove your transgressions, blot them out. He says, I, even I, blots out your transgressions for my own sakes. Everybody read these last six words right here. Read them with me. Come on. And remembers your sins no more. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hebrews 8, 12, look at this. He says, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. This is phenomenal. This is phenomenal. The word remember means to recall back to remembrance to bring up to use against you again. Look it up. I actually looked it up. The word remember means to recall and bring back up to use against you again. 
Now, sometimes we say, well, God forgot all of our sins. Never does it say he forgot. Never does it say he forgot. Because if God forgot all your sins, it'd be about half of your life. Thank you. We got one sinner up here. If God forgot your sins, he would forget about half of your life. Or maybe it's just me. I don't know. Maybe I'm the worst one. But I promise you, I know some of (laughs) y'all. Never does it say he forgets. It says he will remember them no more. So he doesn't forget. But listen to what he does. I will remember. What does remember mean? I'm working my butt off up here and y'all ain't even paying. What does remember mean? To recall, to recall, to bring up for use against you. Wow. He says, I will remember. Sorry, I can't hear you. No more. I will remember. He says, I know you did it. I know you did it. I know you did what it was that you was doing. I know you committed the transgression. He said, but I'm never going to use that against you. I'm never going to bring that up. I'm never going to throw that in your face ever again. He said, because I remember it no more. I know you did it. I know you did it. He said, because I will remember your sins no more. He said, it will never be used against you because of what my son did on the cross. And now that my son has rose again from the grave, come on, somebody. He says, I will remember no more. Hallelujah. I don't know. I can't prove it. But I think men lose their memory when they go to sleep. I'm just telling you. Because sometimes my wife will ask me, Terrell, Terrell asks me, she'll be like, what'd you do yesterday? But I asked her that, she can tell me everything. She can tell me everything she did, everywhere she went, everything she done. And then she'll start talking about things. And she can even remember things that I, I talked to her about. And she, she'll even say things. She says, I can't even remember how you did your hands. And I'm like, That's so weird. How do you? She's like, you were sitting there like this and I can tell you. And I'm like, I don't even know. It's so weird. You know, the Bible says that God made male and female from him. Amen. So there must be male and female kind of attributes to God. And I believe that the female part of God. It knows what we did. But the male part of God just says, oh, forget it. I'll remember it no more. Don't worry about it. I right, just forget it. You're good. I'm not going to remember that no more. I'm not going to bring that up in your face and use that against you no more. Don't worry about it. We're good. Amen. Now, that's not theology. That's just my opinion. <laughs> Turn to somebody and say, God. Nah, you didn't do it. Turn to somebody and say, God has removed your transgressions and he remembers them no more. Come on, that ought to make you shout right there. 
That ought to turn you, I know, that ought to turn you into a worshiper. That ought to turn you into somebody who can't stop giving God praise. That's what that ought to do to you. Woo! Man, worthy is the lamb that was slain. Hallelujah. And if that weren't enough, he does one more thing. He releases us from our iniquities. Come on, y'all. That has to do with being set free. Do you understand that? That he releases us from our iniquities. That has to do with being set free. It has to do with everything that he can sever you from. Amen. He releases you from your iniquities. The, the, the bend that you have in your life. The tendencies. Amen. Am I the only one that has some pretty silly tendencies? Oh, I'm not? Okay. He releases you from that. He releases you from that, y'all. Come on, the weaknesses. He knows our weaknesses. He was bruised for your iniquities, and he says, I have the power through my shed blood, guys, listen, to release you from the addiction. He said, I have the power through my shed blood to release you from those iniquities, to release you from that alcohol problem, to release you from those bad thoughts, to release you from things that happened to you when you were a youngin. I'm telling you right now, it's the power that releases you from your iniquities. You got to get a hold of that. That's what he did for us. You got to get a hold of this, guys. I'm telling you. Mm. It's what Jesus does. It's what he does when he hung on the cross. Okay. That's what he does when he hung on the cross. When he rose out of that grave. Amen. I want to give you a few quick things that the resurrection shows us in the Old Testament. Whether you know it or not. I want to tell you this book right here. I don't even know how many people even own one of these anymore. The most amazing book you will ever read. Amen. I'm telling you. And the prophecies were here in clear type from the beginning of time. Amen. I'm going to show you. They're in here from the beginning of time like you wouldn't believe of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For example, in the story of Noah, we see the resurrection. What do you mean? Well, look at Genesis 8. Look at verse 3. It says, And the waters receded continually from the earth. And the end of the 150 days, the waters decreased. Then the ark rested in the seventh month, the 17th day of the month, on the mountains of Ararat. In other words, in the 17th month, or on the seventh month of the 17th day, everybody say seventh month. Everybody say 17th day. 17th day. The, ark the ark is raised up. It gets on a mountain. Watch this. And the waters of death recede, it says. I want you to follow me. The ark is raised up. And it says that the waters of death recede. The waters of judgment received. And as it's raised up, listen, notice the timing. On the seventh month, on the 17th day. Why does that matter? Because Passover was when the lamb was slain. Amen? Listen. Which is when Jesus was crucified. Amen? We've talked about this a few weeks ago. 
at the very same time the lamb was being slain, Jesus was being crucified. From 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock, I want you to see this. He hung on that cross for you and me. Why is that significant? Why is that significant? I want to tell you this. When did Passover happen according to your Bible? In the seventh month, on the 14th day. I want you to look at this. Look at Exodus. I'm going to explain this to you. Exodus 12. Look at this. It says, on the 10th of every month, right here, every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father. On the 10th of every month. Go to verse 6. Now you shall keep it until when? Say it. The 14th day. Jesus rode in on a Sunday, on Palm Sunday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Good Friday comes. I want you to listen. Listen to this. You are to keep it until the 14th day. Then the whole assembly shall kill it at twilight. That was Good Friday. The 14th. Let's do the math. Jesus dies on Good Friday. And here's a prophecy of Noah. I want you to catch this. Here's a prophecy of Noah. We're going to do the math right here. Look at this. And the seventh month, the 17th day, the ark was raised up. The waters of death receded. The waters of judgment receded. Everything stepped back. Do the math. Listen. On the 14th day, seventh month, 17th day, 14, 15, 16, 17, the tomb is empty. Praise the Lord. On the 17th day, our king rose from the grave. And there is the prophecy on the 17th day in the beginning with Genesis. I'm telling you, death is defeated. Hallelujah. Let me, let me, give, you, let me, give, you, let me give you another one. Genesis chapter 2, Abraham and Isaac. Abraham is told by God, take your son, your only son. <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. His only son. Take him up on the mountain and sacrifice him to me. And the Bible says, I want you to listen to this graphic detail, that Isaac, the little boy, well, actually, he wasn't a little boy. The Bible, he, he, he was actually 17 years old. We call him a little boy. He put the wood on his back. The teenager, 17 years old, listen. He put the wood on his back. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 22 that he climbed the mountain. And it was a three-day journey. It was a three-day journey. He carried the wood on his back, climbed the mountain. For three days in the mind of Abraham, his son Isaac was dead. And in the mind of the father, the son was dead for three days. Come on, somebody. And in the mind of the father, the son was dead for three days. That's exactly what God the Father had to go through when Jesus was in the belly of hell for three days. In God the Father's mind, he saw his boy carry wood up a hill. Come on. God saw his boy carry wood up a hill, and for three days he was dead in the mind of the father. When he gets to the top, somebody said that Abraham forced Isaac. Well, I want to tell you, Isaac was 17. Abraham was 100. I can't even with a 17-year-old now, let alone at 100. I don't think anybody had to force Isaac to lay down on that altar. You hear me? Just like nobody had to force Jesus to lay down on that altar. He said, I give my life. I give my life. No man takes my life. And Jesus even said this in Matthew 26. He says, I give you my life. He says, I can pray right now and have 12 legions of angels come and get me down if I want it. But he didn't. Nobody took his life. He laid it down. I lay down my life just like Isaac laid down his life. And when the knife was raised by Abraham, suddenly God stopped him and said, Eric, stop. There's a substitute for him. There's a ram caught in the thicket over there. 
Don't kill your son. There's a substitute for him. She had the ram's blood. Listen, guys, and this is a beautiful picture of the resurrection. Watch this, watch this. Isaac, the son, who went up on the mountain to die after all of that, came down walking off the mountain of death three days later. Somebody, you got to understand this. Beautiful picture of the resurrection. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. One more. On the day that Jesus, that they had come to Jesus, and they said to him, they said, do some tricks. Show me, do some tricks. We heard you can do some cool tricks. Show me, do something, do something. Show me a miracle, do something, do something. He said in Matthew 16, 4, look at this. He said, a wicked and adulterous generation. They said, you seek after a sign? He said, no, no sign shall be given to you except the sign of the prophet of Jonah. That's what he said. No sign will be given to you except from the prophet of Jonah. He said, if you've got to have a sign... As a sign to you, he said, as Jonah went into the belly of the fish for three days and came back out again, he said, and so will the Son of Man go into the belly of the earth for three days and come back out again. Amen? That is another sign. Listen, I'm telling y'all, Jonah was told by God to go take a message of judgment to Nineveh, and he didn't do it. He didn't like those people. He didn't want to do it. Read it. He didn't want to do it, so he went the opposite direction. And the Bible says that a fish ate him. And for three days, he's in hell. But watch this. A resurrected man does not bring, I want you to hear me after he comes out, the message of this. I want you, I want you, I want you to listen. I love, I love the wording of this. I love the wording of this. Look at Jonah 2.10. It says, and the fish spit him out. Everybody say, spit him out. It's disgusting. The other translation said, vomited him out on dry land. I didn't like that. He spit him out. Listen, now he goes to Nineveh like God told him to. Got seaweed all over him. He probably smells to the high heavens. I'm pretty sure he's been in a, the gut of a fish for three days. Like, oh. But he goes to Nineveh to preach. And when he gets there, he preaches Nineveh 40 days to repent. He goes to him and he says, Nineveh, you got basically six weeks. He said, I'm giving you 40 days to repent or the judgment of God will come upon you. Amen. He said, I'm giving you, I want you to listen to me. Listen to me. You know, it's what he did. He changed his message. God told him to give a message of judgment. But when he came out, he is a resurrected man. Let me tell you something. Resurrected men do not bring messages of judgment. They bring messages of mercy. Amen. He had a whole different message when he came out when he was resurrected. Resurrected men do not preach judgment. They preach mercy. Hallelujah. I am so grateful for his mercy this morning, aren't you? Huh? I am grateful that his mercy is new every day. I am grateful that he does not give me what I deserve. I am grateful for his mercy because the wages of sin are death and we all fall short of the glory of God. Thank you for your mercy. Come on, somebody. Thank you for your mercy. Jesus, he said, I'm, I'm giving you 40 days. Now, if the old me would have showed up before, it would have been a different story. Amen? But he's got a different message. Now, here's the good news. Jesus is a resurrected man. And he's got a message of mercy for you this morning. Hallelujah. He does not have a message of judgment against you. He has a message of mercy for you. His message is a message of mercy. His message says, I love you. I forgive you. I'll restore you. I will put you back together. I will resurrect your dead body. That's his message to you this morning. 
All you got to do is repent. He said, I got up, I got out, and I want to get in your life. That's great news, guys. That's great news. Somebody, come on. You know, the more I do this, the more I realize that every time I preach this gospel right here, this might be the last time somebody ever hears it, and it might be the first time somebody ever hears it. You never know. But I've come to realize that every time I do this, it could be the first time you ever hear this or it could be the last time you ever hear this message. What are you going to do with Jesus? If you're born twice, you'll only die once. But if you're born once, you will die twice. Once in the natural. Amen? And one separation from God. Hmm. So today is the day of salvation. Hallelujah. Today is the day of salvation. Amen. And you know what Jesus wants to do for you? He wants to remove your transgressions. He wants to remember your sins no more. You know what else Jesus wants to do for you today? He wants to release you from your iniquities. He wants to remember them no more that they will never be thrown up in your face. He wants to release you from the addictions, from the tendencies, from the, from the weaknesses. He wants you to run to the mercy seat. And Jesus is the mercy seat. He wants you today to know that he was wounded for your transgressions. He was bruised for your iniquities. And by his stripes you are healed. Hallelujah. Come on, y'all. By, your, by his stripes, you're healed. Your marriage is healed. Your family is healed. Your future is healed. Your life is healed. But he never comes where he's not invited. We're about to baptize a whole bunch of people. Hallelujah. And I want to tell you something. Jesus never comes where he's not invited. When I gave my heart to Jesus, I gave my heart to Jesus for three reasons. I needed a friend, I needed forgiveness, and I needed a future. And Jesus gave me all three. He became my best friend. He gave me total forgiveness. And he gave me a future. I never, ever, ever would have dreamed when I was lost that one day God would use me to preach this glorious gospel. Amen. And he has a plan and a future for you according to Jeremiah 29, 11. And some of you have been missing it. Some of you have been missing it. But today God is calling you home. Come home. Come home. I want every one of you to stand to your feet right now in this room. Nobody leaving, nobody moving around. I need a few more minutes. I know we're, it's 11.20. I just need a few more minutes. Nobody moving around. Today, God is calling you home. Come home. He says, come back to the cross. He's not here to judge you. He's here to give you mercy. He's a resurrected man. And he has a message of mercy. It's not a judgment on your life. Hallelujah. It's for you.
It's for you this morning. With every head bowed and every eye closed across this room. If you're in here and you're saying that message was for me, like, I, God, I need you. I need that message of mercy in my life. Maybe you've never, ever even accepted the Lord into your heart. Maybe today is the day that you become a resurrected man in Jesus' name. I want to ask you to do something for me. And if that's you, if you feel like you've backslidden and you're far from God, and you have just never, ever, ever let Jesus sit on the throne of your life, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand right now so I can pray for you. Come on. We see those hands. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. This is your day. Today is the day of salvation. This is your message. This is your service. And this is your day. Right now. Everyone that raised your hands and all of you, just repeat this after me and say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. Thank you that the tomb is empty. Thank you that you remove my transgressions and you remember my sin no more and you release me from my iniquities. Come into my heart, Jesus. Change me and make me into the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name. Let's give it up for those who raised their hand this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.